stay hidden. Or we will not survive. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father? You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong places. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. And welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, and if you notice, Steve is actually, well, in the conference type of capacity right now on, uh, what is it, May 29th, 2022. We want to be able to wish each and every one of you a very happy Memorial Day weekend. We're hoping you are all having a fabulous time. And for us, we, after a brief hiatus, if you recall, we didn't have an actual episode of Joygasm come through just because this fella caught COVID. And in terms of myself, I also got sick, but luckily it was not COVID. It was just one of those annoying head colds that my daughter brought home from school. Our topic of the day is... The Obi-Wan Disney Plus Impressions. This got dropped over the Memorial Day weekend of 2022. And not only did they drop the first episode, but they actually dropped the first two episodes. So we are going to be giving our impressions of that, going right into our topic of the day. But before we actually do start talking about that, Steve, it is very, very nice to see you, good sir. After all that you have been going through, how are you feeling? Well, I uh, still a bit congested. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Still coughing a bit, so uh, if everybody could forgive me on for that, uh, I'd appreciate it very much. But uh, I'm feeling much, much better. The uh, the ailments have uh, decreased quite a bit. Uh, no more temperature, no more throat, uh, strep, pretty much what it felt like. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, I'm feeling a whole lot better, Ross. It was, uh, I never lost my my sense of taste or smell, but, um, so I got probably one of the variants or something. I don't know, but. Like Delta or something. Yeah. I took the, I uh, took the COVID medication, the, uh, I forgot what it's called, the uh, <laughs> Provaxinvid. I don't know what it was called, but that was yeah, essentially it's one of those odd. medications oh. that are very difficult to pronounce as just about all of them are. Yeah. Oh man. That's a whole story to itself. We could talk about another day, but mm-hmm. anyway, I'm alive, getting better. I'm Excellent. here. So yes. Good to well, see and, you too. And hopefully, uh, you know, maybe in like the next week or two, you will be back in the studio and then, then uh, we'll be able to, 
banter on as we always do. Yeah, but, um, I want been wanting to see Top Gun. I just feeling paranoid about going to the theater as of right now. As so, well, uh, you should, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, anyhow, yes. Obi Wan Kenobi. This particular show has been on both of our radars in terms of we were we were very much interested and excited to be able to, to see this show commence just because we're both fans of the character Obi-Wan Kenobi and also the time period that this takes place, which is basically between episode three and four, where we get to see Obi-Wan Kenobi not necessarily as an old man, but also not as like a sprightly young man either. And just what goes on during that time frame, and so I have um, I, ha- I have a, a number of thoughts regarding the first two episodes. I gotta say, initially it's, for me, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. I yeah. I'm very very happy with seeing Ewan McGregor back on screen again. Uh, you know, just having seen him play the role through the prequels and then during the, this, this rather long stint of, of him no longer playing the character and now him stepping back into the role again, I was, I was really excited to see him and it's, it's just always a pleasure to be able to like see that part of it. I do think, and again, th- th- these are more high level thoughts that we'll, we'll kind of get more into the, the nitty gritty of, but uh, I did think that, uh, there are certain aspects to it that need a bit more iteration and that also, um, once again, you can tell that there are these story crutches that we've actually talked about in the past regarding other shows, but unfortunately this is also starting to kind of fall into that. But what do you think, Steve? High level thoughts. No, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, I'm on the same page. Uh, I, it's fantastic to see, Ewan McGregor, um, back in the saddle again. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen movies with him in it. That's been a minute. It's been a, it's been a while. Uh, so I, I also think they did a great job of like giving you all this stuff, like video footage of movies that happened in the past, the leading up to this point. I thought they did a great job with that. I did like that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's, I think the show is falling into, kind of like the similar makeup of what we've seen with Disney shows, kind of like with star Wars and Marvel where, uh, I mean, we will get into it in in a little bit, uh, I'm guessing, but, um, it kind of makes me feel like, no, I don't see that the way it's happening, but I I see that they have to push this narrative of the show and Uh they have to make a story uh, of something that we would want to see. And so there, it's kind of a toss up of, Okay, yeah, thanks for making a show because there was definitely something happening between episode three and episode four. There was like a good, I don't know, 10 to 15 years there where stuff had to have happened. He wasn't sitting on his duff in the middle of the desert for that long. I mean, stuff had to have happened, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit skeptical, at least so far, of what, what I'm seeing. I'm not, I'm not disliking it, but um, just a little skeptical. Russ, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and, you know, I'd like to be able to kind of itemize this and go down um, bit by bit based off of some of the things that, that stood out to me. And I'm sure stood out to you as well. The first thing I want to talk about is um, it's actually a, a positive in my book. I really like 
the relationship between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Uncle Owen, because right. in episode four, the original Star Wars movie, you can tell that there was friction between the two men, how like there, it wasn't as if they were very simpatico with like how Luke should be raised or, right. you know, what Luke's calling should be. They weren't. And besties. I like. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely not BFFs. Um, <laughs> but I, I do really love in, in these first initial episodes where like they, they continue down that path where like it's a relationship that's complicated, right? Like, like it's a relationship that was manifested more out of duty uh, for the survival of the Jedi as well as the galaxy, right. you know, in order to try and, and figure out and, and knowing that the empire had won at that point in time. Right. And them trying to play the long game of like, well, this is going to be, you know, our, Essentially, like our only hope, as we all know so well. So I really like that. I, I, I love those certain scenes. You know, there was a scene where like the um, uh, Uncle Owen comes and 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 um, you know gives back, tosses back the toys that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi had um, given. Uh, basically, he 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 gave he gave that to Luke without Luke even knowing that Obi Wan Kenobi exists, and. It's interesting because I think that toy, if you look at it closely, was the same toy that in episode four, you see Luke Skywalker kind of playing around with when he's cleaning R2-D2 and C-3PO. Do you recall that, Steve? No, I don't. Remember when no. C-3PO's like, oh, this bath's going to feel so good. And yeah. And you see like R2 standing there and then Luke is sitting kind of... Uh, offset to the, the center of the frame and you, and you see him as he's lounging, he's got this like cool, I think it's a sky hopper. Uh, yeah, ship. that's right. And he, he, you know, he's briefly kind of playing with it before he sets it down to continue cleaning the droids. Yeah. I think I do remember that. He's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Kind of flying it around a little I'm bit. I'm never going to get like out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> So anyway, I like that nod because to me, at least that was my interpretation. When I saw the toy, when I saw it in the bag, I was like, that looks an awful lot like that other particular toy. So that was really cool. I also liked the the scene that was probably one of the most intense scenes that the first two episodes showed, which was you had one of the Inquisitors that was essentially threatening Uncle Owen's life as they were trying to find out where the Jedi are right. And, and more specifically where Obi-Wan Kenobi was. I really like that even after like that um, confrontation ended and how Obi-Wan came over and, and showed gratitude by saying, you know, thank you for not giving yeah. me up basically. And he was like, and then I think he said like, I didn't, I'm totally not saying it right, but he was basically saying, I'm not, I didn't do it for you. Right. Like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I did it for Luke, not for you. Right. But yeah. What, do you, what did you think of how the Inquisitor looked? So the Inquisitors, I so this is one of more of the the critiques I have of the show so far, um, and I have multiple thoughts on this. Um, and I knew this uh, to a certain extent when I looked at the trailer for the show. I okay, let's let's just go down this list. First of all, I don't like how they're dressed. Um, 
I think that the wardrobe stylist or whoever the costume designer is needs to go back to the drawing board. I felt like that, like each one of their costumes was very clumsily put together and you can tell by the way that they walked. It's a very simple test, but like when you have an actor who's, who's dressed up in their, their wardrobe and you see them walking on camera, it needs to flow organically and naturally. You can't have pieces and parts that are like bulging yeah. out awkwardly or like, I don't know, like, like, especially when it comes to whether they're Jedi or Sith, whether they're in Sith Inquisitors or they're just a, a Sith in general, they're known for having just these flowing robes because of their athleticism. Like, they are very athletic when it comes to um, their their you know, uh, lightsaber duels, or if they're utilizing their, the space around them or, you know, whatever it is that they are doing some pretty incredible physical feats. And so when I looked at these inquisitors, I would say probably the main one, the kind of the one, the, the, the bald pale skin looking kind of leader of, of the, of the three, he especially just looks so cumbersome in his, his outfit. The other two, not as bad, but at the same time too, they almost look kind of like, Hasbro action figures. Like you would almost see them like in the packaging as opposed to being these very scary, threatening dread filled types of characters. Um, on top of that too, um, I felt as though again, like, like star Wars has such a, a certain type of visual style and the kind of the, once again, the kind of the, 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 the pasty bald, um, kind of leader of the trio there, he looked kind of more like he belonged in Star Trek instead of Star Wars. Like there are certain elements of his makeup that, yeah, I mean, it, it had more of a Star Wars kind of uh, vibe to it. But overall, it just it it just didn't work for me. Um, and then the other two, um, it, it was interesting. Like like there was. Uh, one of them that was played by an Asian actor, I thought he looked pretty interesting. He was he was kind of cool looking. But again, if you look at the costume, all three of them have those really clumpy looking boots. Did you notice like as they were walking? I didn't, I didn't see the boots. You didn't see the boots. Well, I, I was looking at the boots um, as, as part of the whole thing. And then again, this is one of the things that stood out to me is like, they just had these really like, like clunky, clumpy looking kind of boots. Like again, it's, it's not form fitting the way that I would expect a Sith to be dressed. Um, not that like they have to be form fitting all over the place, but like, especially when it comes to like, you know, if you're wearing like say knee high uh, types of, of boot garb or whatever it, it needs, you, you don't want to be tripping over yourself when, when you're engaging in combat and that sort of thing. So uh, what did you think of the, the costumes overall? Yeah. I mean, you're, um, you hit on a lot of points. I, I, I couldn't really, <laughs> I was looking at him last night and I couldn't really put it into words about why I didn't like it. Um, it didn't look terrible, but they called themselves like Jedi hunters. And I think if you call yourself a hunter, you gotta have movement as you're saying, and you gotta be agile. You're going to be sword fighting, lightsaber dueling, like you say with a Jedi and the Jedi is going to be jumping and moving all over the place because they can do, use the force. And so they're going to be a lot more nimble. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, it kind of, their dress did not really make a whole lot of sense. Um, plus I think that I, altogether, like with the makeup and everything, it, it just didn't look unique enough. Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, they just didn't really look different. They didn't have 
um, presence. Like, for example, yes. the the um, what's the guy's name who was in the Book of Boba Fett? He was the villain. He looked awesome when he came on. Oh, I think on, you're talking about Cad Bane. Cad Bane. I mean, he looked awesome. He looked oh, really yeah. cool. I mean, yeah, he yeah. had presence. He's a villain that I want to see on screen. Right. Um, but so far, it, the Grand Inquisitor and the, like the, the third sister, and I think it was the first brother or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I could take him or leave him, but they just didn't really have presence enough for me to really jump off my seat. Yeah. I don't know. No. I mean, and I think that that's, that's yet another good point. That's in my, um, my itemized list is that, you know, when you think of a Sith, the Sith in pop culture are one of the most iconic villains. It doesn't matter which Sith you are. If you're Senator Palpatine, who then turns into the emperor, or if you're Darth Vader, Darth Maul, like you, you have a tremendous amount of, iteration that has occurred on these villains and also just in terms of kind of the connection that some of these Sith have, like, like if you think of like Darth Sidious, for example, you know, the name really corresponds to the persona of uh, the emperor himself. If you think of Darth Maul, Darth Maul, like the name itself really corresponds with the persona of that character as well. And that he, he delights in combat. He delights in mauling his victims, so to speak, right? Like he had that, even like when he was about to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi toward the end of episode one, you know, he's um, pacing back and forth, almost like a lion at the zoo kind of thing. You know, it, again, it, it really works well with that. And I, I think that when it comes to these Inquisitors, they lacked that presence, like what you talked about, where none of them had had really any kind of like sense of dread to them. Like, like anytime you see one of these other Sith come on screen, whether it's the first time or later on or whatever, I mean, like you can tell the, these are not characters to be trifled with. And so I do think that that was a bit of an issue. Another thing that I had that was a bit of an issue with the inquisitors was that they, once again, they, 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 there's this issue with a lot of the more recent star Wars, films and shows, not not with all of them, but with a lot of them where they don't spend enough time, um, revealing these characters. Like we, we as an audience don't have enough time to be able to get to know these characters. So for instance, the grand inquisitor who I would say, you know, toward the end of, of what we see, I think, and by the way, I mean, I think it goes without saying that that we're talking about spoilers here. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, I apologize. We didn't say that at the top of the show. But yes, we do have spoilers uh, in this episode regarding Obi-Wan. So, um, you know, when it, when you see the Grand Inquisitor toward the end of, of his lifespan um, in the show, it's like, well, you know, we were just starting to kind of get to know who this, this character is. And then he, he gets killed and it's like, well, that just, to me, I feel robbed as, as an audience member. And it, and it reminds me honestly of Grandmaster Snope where like, you know, in the, the, the episodes seven, eight, and nine, it's like, once again, we come to, to to discover that there is this particular character that that does exist that is high up within the first order, but we don't really get to know the character at all because the, he gets killed so fast. And so, I guess what I'm saying is that there there's there's a pacing issue 
as it applies to character development. You have to be able to give all characters enough time on screen to be able to establish who they are and why we should care about them, whether we are rooting for them or not. And I feel like that was kind of a, a thing that I noticed. Did you pick up on that as well? Yeah, I did. Um, it was pretty disappointing on the second episode, um, especially because the Grand Inquisitor um, has a bigger name and there's some history with um, him and the first sister that was established in episode the third one. sister or the, the, the third sister. Um, you know, he picked, he was there. We're talking about how he picked her up from nothing and then trained her and she's got a, basically a hothead. Um, and, and then he just dies. And I yeah. wanted to see more of this story fleshed out. If they're going to take the time to introduce us to these characters and now he's gone. And the grand inquisitor was even more of, um, you know, he had more presence than the third sister did. Right. Uh, I mean, she's just a person that's in, in black clothes, basically. Um, and so now he's gone and we have the first brother and the third sister. I don't know. It, it, I, w- I was pretty disappointed when I saw it happen like yesterday. Um, like, okay, well, looks like that history's gone. I'm not going to look forward to seeing that in future episodes. He's dead. Maybe there'll be, uh, you know, somebody else. You know, may, I mean, they, they hinted at Darth Vader that, he, you know, maybe he'll, we'll see some of him coming up in the episode. But anyhow, I, I just got to go back to why introduce us to this character from like, the get go just to kill him off. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I thought about was, um, a lot of the video game cinematics that we have seen within the star Wars franchise have done a much better job in my opinion of really establishing these characters within a very short amount of time. Like if you think of like blur studio, for instance, they're one of the, the best video game cinematic vendors out there. And you know, if I think of like, um, you know, the old, uh, MMORPG of like Star Wars, the old Republic, they had these fantastic cinematics in which case you, you know, first of all, you see these Sith that get revealed because they're attacking the Jedi at that point in time. It's to this day, it's still one of the best uh, Star Wars cinematics. Even when, when it, when it comes to battle sequences, if you were to put that up with the Star Wars films, still one of the absolute best things to watch. And Again, you, once that that the kind of that, that main Sith character comes on camera, you are immediately filled with dread. He immediately um, has that commanding presence of being a villain, and not only that, but if you if you recall in that particular cinematic, you see his master is there, and his master in one of those cinematics has been kind of um, I would say close to being mortally wounded. He's definitely wounded. And then you see that same Sith that we were initially introduced to take out his master. And you're just like, oh, that is so messed up. And but like that is such a Sith thing to do. And in that in that, in that those cinematics were probably between five to ten minutes long total. They didn't have a whole hour of pre-rendered cinematics to be able to go through this whole story and whatnot. However, in that short amount of time, I really got to know that this particular character and um, there, there wasn't like a sense of like, Oh, this is a throwaway character or whatever. Like, like all these, these um, boxes were checked for me as a viewer when I was watching that. Do you recall that cinematic at all, Steve? 
I don't think I do. No. It was a while ago. I mean, and yeah. and you didn't really play the game. It was for PC, but man, it it was it was something that I thought about because when it comes to the Inquisitors as well, you know, I I, I don't have an expert knowledge of like what the inquisitors, like all the backstory of it. I know that, that they are a division, a, a faction of the Sith, but I, I am in, intrigued by kind of what their speciality is. And I just didn't feel like, like I was getting at least what I was expecting in my head visually from the trio that we saw there. Another thing that's worth mentioning too is the first time that we ever kind of got like exposure to like the whole like second sister, third sister thing was actually in the star Wars game that came out, um, by respawn entertainment. Remember that game? I do not. It was the, the game where you were like the main characters, the redhead and, uh, you have your, your, uh, she was in that one. I guess so. Huh? Did you ever beat that game? Yeah. I want to say you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was in that one. That's that's right. First sister. Okay. Yeah, it was either yeah. first sister or second sister. But I mean, she was the main villain that you were fighting against in that game. What was it? Star yeah. Wars Jedi Rising or Fallen? Fallen Order or something? Something like that. Yeah. Fallen Jedi or Fallen Order or something. I can't remember. Yeah, that boss. <laughs> they have, they have a the sequel butt. coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. Right? I'm drawing a brain fart at this point <laughs> in time. But that was the first time that we had actually... Um, seen or heard about this whole like idea of like a first sister, second sister, third sister uh, type of uh, setup. And again, if I'm comparing the two, I really love the fictional character that they developed within the game itself. Because once again, let's go down the list. We didn't see her face for like half the game. Like she had her own type of helmet that she was wearing, which again, it, it instantaneously builds mystique. Not to mention that the Sith tend to like, they like to hide themselves a bit in that way. And then the character was very fascinating in terms of her background, her history, what we found out about her and everything else. And she still had her ferocity as a very competent fighter you know, when she's fighting against the Jedi. And then even at the end of the game, if you recall, you know, Darth Vader comes in as like this huge surprise and the the performance on the animation of her face just uh, reduces her to just being the scared little girl because she knows who's behind her and she knows that, that she's about to die you know I, I think that if I compare that to who they have playing as like a third sister or a second sister or whatever it is in this show I feel as though the casting was mistaken. I think that that they need to have somebody else in this role because I'm not buying into her being a Sith. You yeah. know, um, it's nothing personal against the actress who's playing the role. I just, I feel as though she doesn't have the type of presence. And I'm not saying that she has to have like a Darth Vader style presence, but I do think you know, once again, if I'm comparing her, who's who's a real actress versus someone who is a digital character in a game, you know, and they they base like like those types of looks and stuff off of like actual living folks and that sort of thing. And I don't want to go down to down the rabbit hole too much of that, but I do think it's important to note that if you're comparing the two, for me personally as a viewer, I really um, 
was more connected and, and had more like I've, I've, I resonated more with the, the video game character of the second sister, as opposed to what we saw in the show so far. Well, I think that kind of goes towards the studio. Um, Honestly, I'm thinking these game studios really have it down more so than Hollywood, at least today. It seems like the stories are better um, and they can do so much more with with CG um, because they can create exactly how they want the person to look versus, okay, you're coming in for uh, for, uh, you know, a uh, uh, interview we're going to, we're going to see how you are on stage or on camera. And now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Okay. This is our pick. Who do we have to choose with versus, okay, I can model this person however I want. And I can, then I can go ahead and, and tell the story. And I don't know. I, it just seems like the game studios nowadays really have it down. They do uh, better than the better than Hollywood, which my hat is off to them. Um, <clears throat> it was Jedi Fallen Order. I just Jedi Fallen Order. Sure. Yeah. There you go. And, and they have a sequel coming out, which I'm very excited about. But yeah, you know, did you have any other thoughts on that? No. Okay. Uh, moving, but moving on from there. Um, so one of the other positives that I did have regarding the show was I loved going to Alderaan. You know, that is uh, Leia's home planet. Like that. That is one of the things that I think. Um, has always been very curious to all of us Star Wars fans because, you know, in episode four, we see how it, the planet gets blown up, how like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is en route with, with uh, Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon, and suddenly there's no more Alderaan. And um, so to be able to see that, this is now this, you know, we talked about how we, we were critiquing the wardrobe style um, of, the, of the Sith Inquisitors. How Now, the, on, the, on the plus side of things, I love the art direction of the planet Alderaan. Like I really loved the buildings, the ships. Again, when we talk about the visual language and how, once again, how does it correspond to a culture? How does it correspond to um, the types of lifestyles that are in existence within any given city or planet or country, whatever it may be? I really feel like they nailed it. What'd you think? No, I like, you know, when you, since you brought that up, um, one thing that stood out to me, which I haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before, was highways. And, yeah. And, it, and it's kind of an odd thing to say uh, because, okay, you know, a lot of their ships are flying here and flying there. Okay, great. But if you think about it, these civilized, um, like fully populated areas or planets or cities, however you want to, you know, look at it, their civilization's got to commute. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their civilization's got to commute. They got to get to work. They have their normal lives, right? So, yeah. um, they, and not everybody is going to get into their own pod or their own ship because then the sky is going to be crammed and people are going to be crashing into each other and falling out of the sky and whatnot. So, they're most likely are going to have highways with futuristic cars or futuristic buses, public transit, whatever you want to call it. But it looks more like an evolved, highly yeah. populated civilization. And so, um, I don't know. I, I thought that was the coolest thing. I know it was something just real puny and whatnot, but I just thought it was the coolest thing to see that this place, what did look Royal. It did look like a capital. It did yeah. look like there was tons of people there. And, um, I don't know whoever's, whoever's idea it was to, 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 to put highways and, and, and the actual seeing people, not just in a castle or in a, you see infrastructure. Somewhere. See, inf- there you go. Infrastructure. That's it. Yeah. 
I do have to toot my own horn right now just because, if you recall, I had a prediction on this show, which was that Obi-Wan Kenobi would be forced to go off of Tatooine and take on, like, different yeah. missions. Do you remember that? I, yeah. Um, and I'm glad that, I, that that prediction came true just because Tatooine, visually speaking, gets old and stale really right. fast because there's only yeah. so much dune sea and sand and brown, basically, that like, you know, you, you look at before you, you start to kind of get visually get kind of bored. Right. And so this was a, a fantastic example of like how he was compelled to go off world temporarily to go and save Leia and how not only did we get to see Alderaan, but then she, we also got to see a second place that, that she was taken to. And I don't know if that was still on the planet of Alderaan or if like they went to another planet. I, I, that was uh, that's a little planet. money for me. It was, was a different, different planet, different planet. One of the other things too um, that is worth noting is that Flea was in this show, That's and right. we are we are both big fans of Flea. Um, I remember the last time I saw Flea in a movie, I think it was Back to the Future, and I mean, like here here's a member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he, the dude has screen presence. Like he every does. time, he, he so does. Yeah. Yeah, um, he was in the he was in um, Back to the Future. Plus, he was also in the Getaway with um, I think it was um, Martin, not Martin Sheen, but uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh -huh. I think. Remember that? That was the movie yeah. with uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and what's really funny about that is that Flea has his own style. Like, like there are times where like this kind of comes up as a, as a topic where when certain actors just have their own unique style that's very recognizable, very branded, and it's just so cool. And Flea is so one of those types that like he gets on camera and he he's just unabashedly Flea. Like, like he like even the way he dressed. Like, I mean, he looked like this is. I admit this, this. So this is, this is a little bit of a critique, like, like a, a constructive criticism, but like even the way he dressed, he looked like he stepped out of like back to the future part two and was in there like kidnapping Leia. It was almost like this weird, like multiverse kind of situation. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm such a huge fan of flea. I didn't even care. Like I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. This, this was like a treat as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, that, that put a smile on my face. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't rec I didn't recognize it until, um, the, the like the, 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 the jail cell scene. Right. Um, and so when, when, when Leia was running and, you know, through the forest and he goes, well, I'm waiting for you princess, you know, I'm waiting to get you. I'm, I still, it didn't click. Uh -huh. And it only clicked when, um, when Obi-Wan came to rescue Leia and I got a closer shot of his face and I was like, that's boy. Then I put a smile on my face and any kind of costume or whatever, like went out the door. Cause I was so stoked to see him right in a star Wars flick on to, I mean, I, I, I anyway, I good, well, it, good, it, good choice for him. And, and it's also worth noting too, again, one part of the secret formula of what makes a successful Star Wars film is you hire actors that are not easily recognizable. That's why you don't want to have someone who's, say Tom Cruise, for example, right? right? Like Tom Cruise is a great actor. He really does a fantastic job in, in the types of films that he does, but he, he wouldn't fit. He wouldn't work in star Wars because he's such a recognizable actor. You have to cast the really unknowns and flee is one of those like anomalies within Hollywood where like, you don't see him very often, but when you do, he leaves such a, uh, an impression 
on you as a viewer, you know, I, I just, I, I thought that was, that was definitely one of the, the, the high points for sure. And I think he fits in star Wars, honestly. Yeah, yeah for sure. We're getting low on time. So um, I just want to briefly also talk about how, um, you know, we have Leia. So, so there is definitely this conscious effort to like both examine Luke Skywalker as well as, as princess Leia. And I did like how they're going with, Obi-Wan being introduced to Leia now as a little girl. I thought that was really cool because Obi-Wan doesn't get introduced to Luke Skywalker until episode four when he's like yeah, 17, 18 years old, right? So right. it is interesting to see how there is this, this relationship, which they, again, it does plug right into how Leia knows about Obi-Wan Kenobi already. That's why she sends him the message. Again, all of that is really, really great. The constructive criticism I have regarding Leia is I feel as though she's a little too like bratty. Yeah. And I, it, what's weird is that, you know, she was raised within this, you know, kind of like this, 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 uh, Royal esque kind of family, right? Like, like she, she was born into this family that has, um, you know, that social etiquette, you know, front and center. And I understand how they want to give her, her rebellious spirit and that sort of thing, because that is a part of who Leia is. But if I were to compare the girl's um, portrayal of the character versus Leia as Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher had this lovable type of, of um, fighting spirit that everybody could get behind. Whereas this girl, I feel like had, uh, just a more of like just being disobedient for the sake of being disobedient and, right. and just being kind of being annoying. Did you agree? I would definitely agree. It was kind of, it was a bit cliche, I think, cause uh, from the get go, she did come across as intelligent I mean, she was standing up to her cousin, but then I thought, well, um, I kind of see where this is going. Uh, they need, again, they need to push the story so I can definitely see her getting rebellious, running away, causing trouble. And you know, that that's pretty much what they gave us. Yeah. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts, um, I'm still very, very curious. Uh, one thing I also, too, I wanted to, to, to say was that I didn't really care that that in the time that Obi-Wan was in the desert, he really kind of struggled with um, finding uh, his his use of, this, of the Force. And, like, he was struggling. He didn't want to use it because he didn't want to reveal himself. But um, then again, when... Leia was falling in that in the city because of her own doing. She wouldn't listen to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan then has to use the force, but it's a struggle. And I didn't really buy into that. I didn't think that, you know, everything that we've seen with Obi-Wan and all the training that he received, um, and then a few years go by and now he's struggling to use the force. I just I just didn't buy it. But um definitely looking forward to seeing um what they do with the show and uh with future episodes. Awesome. We just lost your video feed, by the yeah. way. So it's, it's back on, on uh, yours truly. <laughs> yes. my, but yes, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because in my final thoughts, um, part of what I was noticing and I appreciated was that Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character is in this transitional period where he's no longer in his twenties. Like we saw in episode one and even two, like, you know, we've, we've kind of seen this progression of the character where like he was in his twenties and he was just very physically adept. You know, we, we didn't see him in his thirties and he's more into like a, a mentor type of role uh, with Anakin. And then now we're kind of seeing him more as if he's in his like forties, fifties, somewhere around there where, 
um, you know, he's, he's beginning to age and not only that, but like, you know, he, he has a lot of, of weight on him, both philosophically and, and emotionally. And even like some, some of the, perhaps the, the physical toll of what he had to endure when he was younger is starting to kind of mount up on him a bit, you know, like he's not a feeble old man that like we saw in episode four, but he's definitely going down that path. And I think that is definitely a thumbs up as far as I'm concerned, because that is something that he as a character has to deal with. And that's honestly something that people in my age group can relate to because there is that kind of um, middle-aged man um, going more toward being uh, more older as you go along. You're not old enough to be a senior citizen, but at the same time, you are starting to discover various types of limitations you have. And so I appreciated how he wasn't just some invincible Jedi, how like even him being out of practice, right? He had to kind of dust off the, the skills, so to speak, and be able to um, match you know, fisticuffs, so to speak, right? Like you saw Obi-Wan Kenobi bleed. You, you saw him struggle with trying to like, you know, once again, use the force to be able to focus on certain things. And I found myself really appreciating that. And I think that like, as time goes on, we will revisit how him getting older is a little bit more of a challenge, but at the same time that causes him to rely more on the force because as we all know, like Yoda was, was um, the the one to talk about how size doesn't matter, how, you know, being 900 years old doesn't matter, you know, like, like, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, to, you know, the force is your ally, right? And you've got to rely on that. And so I, for one, I'm looking forward to seeing how that progresses, how like, it'd be great for it to like, see him uh, commune with Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, if we get some Liam Neeson goodness back into the fold again, that would be fantastic. So uh, I would say overall, I'm still having a positive outlook on the show. I do think there are certain things like budget limitations. And again, it's becoming kind of like a, a pattern that we're seeing with Disney Plus shows where for whatever reason, they they seem to go down this 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 kind of... Uh, you know, downtrodden kind of road, so to speak. And it's, it's just kind of an unfortunate byproduct of the situation. But my hope is, is that um, they're able to, to have more of an introspective look into Obi-Wan Kenobi in terms of where his place is in the galaxy. And another thing too, that I did, I forgot to mention earlier was that, one of the tropes that I'm noticing that we've talked about too in the past is how you, once again, you have this relationship where you have this very capable character um, that's a survivor and may be asked to, to go on a mission or do something like that. And then what happens is you have this little kid, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't matter if it's Mando and Grogu or if, like if you're talking about the Bad Batch and you, Bad and you Batch. have- Bad Batch. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. You have the little girl in there and then you have the, the, the stormtroopers and then, you know, here we have Obi-Wan Kenobi and we have little Leia. It's like, okay, you guys, not only is the, has this already been done, this has been 
done repeatedly within the same universe. It's not like, oh, there's Indiana Jones and they have like this new type of setup or, oh, here's, you know, whatever. Here's a Marvel movie. No, like literally like all of these instances have taken place within the Star Wars universe. You've got to cut the umbilical cord, so to speak. Don't use that as a story crutch because it's, you know, you're, you're going to burn out the, the significance and the novelty of that. Do you agree with that, Steve? I would definitely agree. And it just seems like I think Disney is either they don't either know that the Star Wars fan base has become older. Like we've been fans of Star Wars since basically we were born because a lot of this stuff came out even before we were born. And so there's a lot of older diehard fans of Star Wars and Disney wants there to be newer, younger fans of Star Wars, but I think they're they're not walking the line very well with appeasing both markets because mm. even if you're a teenager and you want to watch Star Wars, you're really going to want to see what the big kids do or the adults because that's where the cool stuff happens, not the kids that are running around being rambunctious. That's not why you watch Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think they're kind of playing um, – <clears throat> I don't want, I'm not going to say a dangerous gamer with fire, but um, I, I just don't think they, they know the fan base well enough as opposed to like, let's say, for example, John Favreau with the Mandalorian. Um, I mean, there's a reason why that was, was done so very well. Um, even Mando is carrying around Grogu, who's a child, but Grogu um, isn't this round bunctious little kid just trying to get into trouble. And Grogu has a lot more presence. Um, and, and I don't know that that's why the, the Mandalorian, I think, did so well was because they didn't focus on the, the, the big guy trying to, to scurry around, trying to find the little kid and keep the kid out of trouble and, and, and prove himself. He doesn't have to prove it to anybody. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I totally <clears throat> understand what you're saying, and I 100 percent agree with it. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention that financially helps us continue doing the show. Also, why don't you force push that subscribe button, maybe wield a lightsaber at that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm. It drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on just about all of them. And you'll be able to see all kinds of fun behind the scenes goodies on there. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. In fact, right now, you'll be able to catch either myself or Steve as we continue to make our way through Elden Ring. So and now I can Twitch by myself. Yes, we, go. we got Steve back up online for doing Man. some Twitching. Dragon A. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you next week when we review Top Gun 2 Maverick. We'll see you then. <laughs>